0: This is an SM Media production. Hi folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Celtic Report right here on SM Media. I'm Scott It's a pleasure as always to be your host and I'm delighted to welcome my guest this week. It's a pleasure to welcome on the show again, Josh McCafferty.
1: Thank you very much for having me, Scott. Great to be back on talking about Celtic after a relatively say, uneventful match.
0: I wish we'd picked better games. I know well, we kind of do that in advance, but... Yeah there's not a lot under the bonnet here. As there? mm-hmm. a go early on, there's two match penalties and it's fairly bang average after that. But I think it's probably the post-match comments mm-hmm. that are probably the most interesting out at all. Yeah. But mm-hmm. overall, and similar to how Rangers got on at the weekend as well, they won 1-0, mm-hmm. it wasn't a great yep. performance. These are the games you look at at the end of the season if you won a title, it was massive.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And That's the thing. It's- End of January, cold afternoon, the pitch is terrible, and you just want to get three points. And that was that's pivotal, and that's what happened. I was going up to the game, and I was thinking Celtic could easily win this by five or six, given Ross County on a horrendous run of form. Derek Adams has been very condescending recently, very unlikable character, let's just say. And obviously, when Arthur Johnson scored the goal early doors, I was thinking, right, this could end up being five or six, and you get the penalty. And then, obviously. Louis Palmer shockingly misses twice, which is disgraceful, but they move on from it and the game kind of petered out from there on in. Paulo Bernardo missed the open goal should have buried it. There was also a chance for Carter Vickers in the second half, but credit to Ross County, full credit to them because unlike a lot of teams that came to Celtic Park, they weren't willing to waste time. Mm -hmm. George Wickens, as soon as he got the ball, he looked to distribute it out. His distribution wasn't the greatest, but in fairness to him, they weren't wasting time and they were looking to play out for the back and actually play football, which is not like the home fans at Celtic Park have seen a lot of times this season. So that was good to see in Ross County, as much as they're in a bit of crisis in the weird and poor form recently, they are actually very impressive in this one. They are unfortunate for me not to get a point out of the game. At the end, Josh Sims goes on a run, plays on Jordan White, and Joe Hutt has to make a save. So hats off to Ross County. But the main thing for Celtic in this game is getting the three points, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah,
0: and I think, obviously, like with Ross County people have that have listened to the the pods, not just the to Celtic to one, but other pods that, that we've done in the channel. My my opinion in Derek Adams is that I think Derek Adams is has came here thinking that this is a far poorer level than League Two. And yeah. I think it's a get against teams like Celtic that you might see Ross County to best effect when there's more mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? When there's there's more to yeah. do. Yeah. And I just again, I again I do think Ross County are a decent side now I'm not mm. a big Derek Adam yeah. fan. I don't think he's helped no. himself.
1: But I thought mm. it was good, to be honest. Like, I think... Yeah, I think they, they played... See, some of the football they were playing, it was yeah. very impressive playing out for the back. There was three debutons in the team. The keeper, George Wickens, was one of them I thought he was excellent to save mm-hmm. two penalties. It was incredible. And the save he made for Carter Vickers in the second half um, for a uh, front post was absolutely brilliant. So a brilliant performance for him, considering especially he's only, he's only had one full season on loan out of Fulham, and it was at Maidstone United. So very he's
0: kicking himself a lot after the weekend
1: <laughs> Exactly, exactly um, But he came in, done really well And fair enough to Ross. I have a lot of respect for them I remember Livingston coming to Celtic Park Just before Christmas, the 23rd of December I believe it was And they didn't register a shot the whole afternoon Probably yeah. Ross County yesterday They only had one shot on goal They were still impressive in the way they played football So fair enough to them in terms of the team selection, there was,
0: there was a couple mm-hmm. of interesting bits of news. I think yeah. kind of 9 out of the 11 was fine. Carter Vickers came back in. I thought Navrotsky was quite unlucky to, be, to see himself yeah. on the bench. Were you surprised Bernabé got the call?
1: Um, not particularly, no. There's a lot of fans calling for Mitchell Frame to start. Obviously, I've got a wee youth and loan account on Twitter and I didn't think he was going to get the nod. He played for the B team down at Southampton on Wednesday night. Yeah. So he'd only had day recovery on Thursday and straight into training pre-match and Friday. So he wasn't going to play... And it was really a toss-up between playing Bernabe or putting on Liam Scales at left-back and bringing Carter Vickers and Navrosky as the two centre-halves. But he's opted to go with Bernabe, the natural left-back, the more attacking full-back option. And against Ross County, I think that was probably the wise decision. I'll beat Bernabe. I don't think he was too impressive in the match. Only really thing he'd done was put the cross in for Alistair Johnston's goal. And Not too not too impressive was Bernabe. But no, I wasn't really surprised that he got the nod. To be honest, it was a, it was a 50-50 decision. But one thing Bernabe's performance and the whole of the left back situation at the game on Saturday did for me was highlight the need to sign one before the end of the January transfer window on Thursday. So it'll be interesting to see if see if they can pull anything off.
0: Yeah, we'll get into signings later on, as I'm sure we yeah. we've we we'll probably get our own opinions yeah. on it. But as you say, after a minute, it looked as if it was going to be a fairly easy street for Celtic. I thought it was a good ball from Bernabe. Obviously, it gets yeah. to Johnson does stay on side. It's tight. You can again, yeah. some people will think it's maybe on or off. I don't know, but it gets the ball in. It obviously gets a bit of luck along the way. It's given. And you think if I start, and I thought, I've been of the opinion with Alistair Johnson. I don't know about yourself since, since he came in last season, I thought he was marvelous The when he was there. I thought the second half of the season last year, I thought he was instrumental and he's yep. just struggled to really kind of match that the, the kind of first yeah, yeah. half of the season. But going could be a big goal for him and you know, trying to find that kind of form again.
1: Yeah, I agree with that point. I think first half of this season, you know, he's been particularly poor, not being at the standard he was in the first part of his spell at Celtic. But to come in yesterday, I think he was really pleased with himself after the game, reading into some of his comments to get a goal, a winning goal and keep a clean sheet as a defender. He can't really do any more than that. Mm-hmm. And that's what he said. So it was great to see him get that goal. Obviously, I think he looked across to Brendan Rodgers in the dugout with his kind of arms out um, in celebration after he scored. So it was great to see him. Yeah, like you say, this could be the, the, the turning point for him in the season. I think he knows he's probably not been up to the standard. And good to see him get that goal. It was a good strike actually, despite it kind of bobbling over the line. And I, I initially thought it was going to get given offside. If I'm honest, I thought Bernabe had touched it and I thought he was offside. Obviously, VAR checks and and the goal was given. Thankfully for Celtic, but yeah, Alistair Johnson. It's a tough one. He gets a lot, a lot of criticism from fans nowadays because they obviously notice that the level isn't there. He had a tough, tough act to replace in Josip Juranovic, and I remember arguments coming from Celtic fans that it was even better than Juranovic in the first half of the season, uh, second half of last season. Sorry, first half of twenty twenty three, but it's kind of dropped off, but. Partly that drop-off could be put down to potentially Brendan Rodgers' style, changing manager, a lack of competition, because let's be honest, Anthony Ralston isn't really pushing him uh, for a place yeah. in that Celtic team, so that's maybe something they need to address in the summertime, I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, so I'll be a big confidence booster for Johnston and happy to see him get his goal because it's one he deserved.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely fair, but we, we've seen obviously Bern- uh, Bernardo's quite unlucky with an effort, probably should bury it, but Celtic got a penalty after 25 minutes, uh, right, where do we start here? Because I, I think there's an overall concern. Certainly, <laughs> I, I think there is anyway, because Palmer takes the penalty. It's a good save. There's obviously a re-take a, a because of our check, but it puts it in the exact same place now.
1: Yeah,
0: I think, is that, am I right in saying that's the fifth penalty Celtic missed this season?
1: I'm not entirely sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if it is. It's tumbled. It's
0: tumbled. Tumble missed one. Yeah, Palmer. One. I think Atati's
1: missed one as well. Tati did miss one, yep. And then Palmer's missed
0: two yeah. yesterday. So probably.
1: Yeah. Probably the fact. Yeah.
0: yeah. That is a problem.
1: Yeah, certainly. It is a problem. I don't think Palmer should have taken the second one yesterday. Um, certainly of that opinion. So one thing about Louis Palmer's penalties is the first one he took for Celtic, he scored it, I think. And he does the wee kind of stutter in his run up. And he scored that one. Next one he takes, he does the stutter again and he misses it. So the next one he got after the one he missed, he didn't do the stutter and he's run up and he just ran up and banged it in. And now that's what I thought he was going to do for the first penalty yesterday. I was like, he's not going to mess about. He's going to just put it in. But he does the stutter. The Ross County keeper, Wickens, doesn't move. Guesses the right way and Palmer shoots and, and saves it. Then Palmer takes the second one and goes the exact same way. He shouldn't have taken the second one. Um, Strictly of that opinion, he was very eager to get the ball, let's just say, and take the second penalty. And if you're going to have that confidence in yourself, you've got, you've got to back it up and you've got to score. And obviously he didn't do that. So Brendan Rodgers said it is something that they're going to look at now. It should be something that they're looking at. I think he's on record in the past saying Kyogo's not a good enough striker of the ball to take a penalty. I think he's only
0: had one, am I right and saying, I wait for a at last season and he missed it. So yeah, I think yeah, the fact yeah. that Kyogo's not volunteering himself, thinks a, yeah. he doesn't have confidence in. Yeah. The, which yeah. it's fine, and we see across the city Tavernier takes Rangers penalties, and
1: mm-hmm.
0: do you know what I mean? So
1: it's it's, it's something
0: that addressed badly. Yeah,
1: yeah. It's certainly, because five penalties missed in a season is nowhere near good enough, and that could have been a game where Ross County got up the park and equalised later on in the match, and it ends one-one. And Louis Palmer's probably getting more pelters than he already is Let's be honest. Potential penalty takers, it's obviously been through probably about half the team by now, given the amount of penalties we've missed. Palma, Hatate, Kyogo, so other players are going to have to step up. I quite fancy Paulo Bernardo, Matt O'Reilly potentially to take some. Uh, I wouldn't have any confidence in Cal McGregor taking one, if I'm honest. He always goes bottom right. Keepers have begun to solve that, unless he starts switching it up. It's something they could look to, but I wouldn't mind Joe Hart taking one, given the one he scored in pre-season for Can Man I City. A name in, at you
0: here, and you could maybe say...
1: On you go, on you probably. go if Kuhn could Kuhn, Kuhn I think Kuhn yeah, took penalties, yeah. penalties for Rapid rain. Kuhn's a shout Kun's a very good shout when Celtic got the free kick I don't think it was in the sports scene highlights if any listeners are watching it uh, just outside the box in the second half Kuhn was on I thought he was going to take it uh, obviously I think it was Matt Riley it. kind of floated over the bar but yeah Kuhn's a, Kuhn's a very good shout if he's on the pitch Dyson could be another shout um, so there's plenty of options in the team but it is something that needs to be addressed, and they need to start taking the chances from the spot kicks because it could easily come back to bite you and say look, well, lucky it hasn't so far.
0: Yeah, and getting into the kind of rest of the first half, it was it was fairly non-eventful. Ross counted a chance to hit the bar. Second yep. half, kinda of early stages, there was some some decent bits. I thought Palmer again, I, I think it's a classic case with Palmer that he's he's going to be capable of some brilliance, but yep. I thought yesterday a lot of times he was quite wasteful.
1: Yeah, I think Palmer is one of these players where, similar to Olivier and Cham, but he's either at the top of his game and he's absolutely brilliant, or he's had an absolute stinker, like he did on Saturday, and just going to have to deal with that, but it's up to him to bring that sort of consistency in his performances. He did have some good moments in the game, a couple of and side shots, traditionally like he loves to do, but yes. Yeah, I'm glad Nicholas Kuhn's been signed because it's going to push him and give him more competition. And a coming back as well is going to give him more competition, and that is only good for a player like him who probably had that left wing position to absolute self over the past three four months. When you look at injuries and availabilities, Celtic have had so good that there's competition coming into the team now to push him.
0: Yeah, and like before January, you're looking at that wing wing area, thinking yeah. that a Abada's injured. Yeah, My aid is a way. Keaton
1: playing half the games. It was, that as well.
0: And now yeah. it looks like a position if everybody's fat and firing. It's a very, yeah. very, very stacked position in yeah. both wings. Yeah. I want well, to touch on Kyogo because I've kind of had mm. this conversation a few times. Where uh, we know he can sometimes mm. only need one chance, but I'm, yeah. I, I, I I watched yesterday, and I thought there's so many times where he's just looking so starved of anything, and yeah, you know, the- one chance that I think. I think it was Palmer put the ball in and just straight right. away the goalie was out and that's the only kind of real yeah. foothold I remember Keogh having in the game yeah. where he was close yeah. to I don't.
1: Yeah, I feel sorry for him. I feel sorry for him because he's certainly not getting the service he was used to compared to last season. Now, whether that is down to Celtic having a lack of thorough, real chance creators who can break lines of low blocks. You're like Zahatate, who's been injured half the season he's at the Asian Cup. Yeah. Losing up like Jota is, is massive and a badder out half the season because we know the link-up those two have. So he's not getting the service and the absences of those players is probably contributing to that. But even still, he keeps making the runs in the amount of times when Celtic are playing the ball between the centre-halves that he is constantly on the move is very frustrating to see him getting frustrated, if you know what I mean, when he's making those moves and the likes of Scales and Carter Vickers are not taking the risk of just lobbing the ball over the top for him and letting him run on to it. Celtic Park's a massive pitch. If you do it once or twice, three times a game, he's going to get on to the end of at least one of them. I remember a goal he scored last season at home to St Mirren where he, one-on-one on one with the keeper, just lobs it over him beautifully. And that all came from a ball over the top. So. He constantly makes those runs, he's constantly willing to move and he's got great movement, so I, f- I feel sorry for him. But once, if he gets services, he's that type of player who will absolutely thrive off it and we know the talent he has, so that shouldn't be overlooked. But at the minute, it is, it is a bit of a concern for Celtic. it has been a concern all season, let's be honest. No one's really, he's not really hit the heights. He's not really had a run where it's been three goals in three games, four goals in three games, Yeah, it's all kind of been dribs and drabs but he does come up with the big moments. You look at the two Glasgow derbies, he's decided them both. He's got the winning goal in them both at Ibrox and comes up with that magnificent goal at Celtic Park. So he does have that in him, but at the same time, if he's not doing it in the games against the likes of Ross County at home, it's it's a growing concern.
0: Yeah, I think it's absolutely fair. What did you think of Coon coming on? I thought he did fine. I thought you, you could see there was a bit of... He's yeah. direct, he's neat and tidy in the ball. And again, it's a good, probably a good, kind of first game for him in terms of that he immediately gets a feel mm-hmm. for what Scottish football could be like when it's the patch was awful and the, those are the tight games that he, yeah. he maybe needs to be the kind of contributing factor in so I think was a good start for him
1: Yeah I don't think he could have had a better game like you said to introduce him to Scottish football and Celtic 10 minutes in the left hand side 10 minutes in the right hand side so we kind of got a flavour of what he can offer in each position obviously you can't really judge much off a 20 minute cameo but he looked pretty fast eager to take on his man eager to flash a couple of balls across goal so and that's only the start so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on from here on in obviously the next three games as we know are absolutely huge and extremely tough so it's a big chance for Nicholas Kuhn to announce himself to the Celtic support in those matches he probably will get the start in the next match over Lewis Palma potentially Um, that could be something Brendan does but yeah I'm excited I was excited by the signing when he was brought in and it was good to see him make the debut I thought he could have made it a week earlier against Bucky Thistle and potentially got a goal there to break his duck early doors. But obviously, fitness was an issue. So good to see him good to see him get in the park now and looks encouraging.
0: There's two, obviously, you know, we um, things. Obviously, Carter Vickers signing a new contract with yep. Carl McGill. I mean, he's 450th appearance. Yep. And I thought both did pretty well. Yep. Again, Carter Vickers, I think, well, it only makes sense kind of keeping him, keeping ties on when he's, he's like mm-hmm. a few clubs. McGregor four hundred and fifty appearances. He's yeah, been phenomenal. Yeah, I just think two things like that. Like again, just good, good, good performances in terms of a solid. McGregor just does what he does, and Carter Vickers. I don't remember him in scales really having much trouble.
1: No, nah, they didn't. Carter Vickers signing new contracts absolutely huge. As much as you want to bring new talent and quality into the squad, it's pivotal you keep hold of the players that are there and fend off interest, particularly from Premier League teams. And that's what Celtic have done. I believe he's now one of the highest paid players at the club and getting him down on a contract to twenty twenty-nine is absolutely huge. So that was great to see. Um, I think the announcement was meant to be kind of Saturday, but the, uh, the rumour kind of got out and yeah. announced it Friday afternoon. So that, that was a boost going into the game for the sports for Carter Vickers as well. But like you say, McGregor, 450 appearances is... Absolutely incredible. By the time October comes, he'll probably hit the 500 mark, which is absolutely colossal for a player who's still only 30 years of age. To have that consistent quality in terms of performances as huge. He was given the man of the match yesterday by Celtic in the stadium. And I think that was probably deserved. So yeah, there was concerns at the start of the season that he wasn't really doing too well, but I feel like in the kind of month of December and going into the start of the year I feel like he's upped his game, he was brilliant in the Glasgow Derby, he was brilliant in the 3-1 win away at St. Johnston at the beginning of the December, he's had some very good performances as McGregor, so he's improved and it's only positive for himself and for the club and for Scotland going into the Euros at 2024 Yeah, absolutely
0: One second, Before we get into the kind of post-match mm-hmm. the surface, Brendan Rogers brought it up up, yeah. the, the surface just, again it happens obviously this time of the year, but you would think that would be something that would be that kind of needs yeah, to get addressed. Yeah. If the manager wants it addressed, I would imagine that could be something that that maybe happens sooner rather than yeah, later. Yeah. Is it, can I, put, I think it put a lot of players off the stride yesterday, especially the likes of yeah. O'Reilly and Bernardo, who are used to kind of getting the ball down. I thought they were a bit off it yesterday, and I, I don't think the pitch helped that.
1: Yeah, Matt O'Reilly brought it up after the Bucky Thistle game last weekend, unprompted. And then obviously, Brendan was asked about it after the game yesterday excuse me, as was Alistair Johnston. And they both said it's not good enough. Brendan labelling it, so to get a flagship club in Scotland and it's a field, not a pitch, uh, which is quite an interesting comment. So it has something that's going to need to be looked at in the summer. I think it was relayed as recently as summer 2022. And I think so... Be right, yeah. Certainly something that needs addressed and looked at particularly like you say it did look as if it was putting people off slight baubles and guys are taking shots things like that so for Celtic is one of the two biggest clubs in the country to have a pitch that is not the best in the country and the style of football Celtic like to play as we know it's fast it's playing out from the back quick football to have a pitch like that is not ideal so it needs to be addressed I'm sure it will
0: Right, let's get into the, the post match. Obviously, we heard mm-hmm. that once the full time whistle went, there was some booze. I don't know yeah. if you were, you were guilty of that, were
1: you? I certainly wasn't. I've never, never in my life booed Celtic.
0: Right. I have a problem here with this because I don't get that. Yeah, I don't, I get, I don't yep. get who it's aimed at. Is it aimed at. I, I get you can kind have of bad performances. I get that. And that, there's been a few this season. Yeah. I don't get what
1: it's for, is it, yeah. is it a recruitment is it, do you know what I mean, because I, I think it's just, I, I completely agree with you, I don't even think one should boo their own team after the team loses, no. let alone after they win a match I was, I was actually quite annoyed walking out of the ground here and so kind of just 30 seconds before stoppage time ended I was, I sat quite up high in the lower tier so walking down the stairs, halfway down the stairs a full time whistle goes and it's just embarrassing, frankly, in my humble opinion. Obviously, it's a free country. Fans pay good money to go to these games, £600, £700 and a season ticket, so they can express their views in any way they like. But for me to boo the team after they've won a match uh, in tough conditions, they've arguably not had a real game in a while, because obviously Bucky Thistle, they're a low, uh, Highland League team, sorry. So yeah, it was... I don't know... I think it's probably a culmination of frustrations from the fans. Obviously the performance. I think the Louis Palma double penalty miss didn't help the frustration in the ground. Obviously we know problems regarding recruitment, frustration towards the board, Peter Law, Mark Law head of recruitment. So I think it's a culmination of frustrations if I'm honest that kind of grew the fans to boo at full time. It wasn't obviously widespread it was only probably about a quarter of the ground um, being there live. That's what I certainly heard it was nowhere near as loud as as the gears when Celtic lost 2-0 at Parkhead to Hearts yeah. uh, in mid-December, but still frustrating to hear. I completely agree with you that there should have been no booze. let's be honest. If if they're going to direct frustrations, I'm sure there's certainly more other ways than they can do than, than booing the team they supposedly love and, and care about a lot. So yeah, it was not nice to hear and it's... A bit toxic, um, which is not great considering the team had just won a game. Yeah. There's a video that went about of Alistair Johnston. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter, um, or X as it's known now, of him um after the game, Ross County players coming up to him, and it was just after the full time whistle. And if you lip read Alistair Johnston, basically saying words to the effect of "We're the only team in the world that can win and get booed," so it's not nice to hear, but. At the end of the day, people have their own frustrations and they can express their views the way they want. But in my opinion, it shouldn't be done that.
0: The thing that gets me with it, and I, I'm not one for booing at all, especially yeah, your home fans. Yeah. I get I get it to a degree if it's been like a bad defeat. Like like the Hearts game, I understood it. Yeah. But I think that was more aimed at the, the board and things like that. Yeah, but yeah. I, I think there's an overall kind of problem. But the thing that gets me is, is that you would say probably from the Rangers game up until now Celtic Celtic have been pretty good in terms of mm-hmm. the, the morale the kind of yeah. music's been pretty fine recruitment's yeah. obviously a different thing yeah. but results have been good and I just didn't understand I, I don't understand what it is I, I don't understand what it is and I yeah. think Brendan Rogers post-match comments are interesting I'm just going to read this here and get your thoughts mm-hmm. because I think yeah. it's better reading it saying Mm -hmm. and getting an idea as to to what this is, because I I think this kind of speaks volumes to me. Mm -hmm. I've had, regarding the booze, I've had that since I've been here. If it's not the result, it's me. If not me, the board. So all we can do as a team is win games and try to improve and develop and win. That's what the team has done. The team and ourselves as staff work hard every day together, and that's how we will continue to be. If it falls below the expectation, then we'll do everything we can to be better. I've spoken to a few Celtic fans between... Saturday, and as we're recording this, which is Sunday night. Some of them are saying it's Brendan Rogers. They they don't like the style of play. Some of them are saying it's recruitment. Some of them are saying, oh, it was a poor performance at home to uh, to Ross County. There's no continuity there for me. There's three different reasons for booing. Now, I get the, the criticism towards the board because recruitment maybe hasn't been good enough. I think... I've said this since the start, and I think I have ever said it in pods with you, and I think I may have maybe said it when Brendan was getting announced, there will always be a portion of the Celtic support who do not want Brendan Rodgers there. And I yeah. think this is the kind of bigger issue that is maybe going under the radar here. Those are the guys that are booing, in my opinion, because they are never going to be happy.
1: Yeah. yeah. But
0: they need to get over it. Yeah, mind? it's a fair
1: point. I think I was initially, when Brendan was... The prime target to come back as manager. I remember being on holiday at the time with with my dad, and I was saying I don't want him back. He he snaked Celtic before, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, but you get over that yeah. within about five days. I got over it, and that has to. I don't see why Celtic. Some of the Celtic fans can be so stubborn about it. If if they are, if that is the case, but just on the comments of Brendan, I think he was frustrated at the booze, which I think he has the right to be frustrated. Yeah. And that was evident in the comments he made. So yeah, pretty interesting. But like you said, Celtic have won six games in a row now. Considering up until the start of this run, they hadn't won three games in a row all season. Now won six games in a row. In those six, conceded one goal, and that was James Tavernier's free kick. Absolutely brilliant goal. Conceded one goal in games away to Dundee, away to St Mirren, home to Rangers. It's been some very tough games in there. Yet they've still managed to come away with six wins out of six. Now this further backs up the point that I don't understand why people are booing after the game yesterday. Obviously, like you've said culmination of kind of annoyances, etc. It's just it's, it's madness for me. Brendan obviously frustrated, given his his post match comments there, and like I've said, he has the right to be frustrated. I think the players have the right to be frustrated with with some sections of the support after they booed, but I don't think it's predominantly aimed towards them, predominantly probably aimed towards wider issues and just general frustrations there is. Even just logging on to Twitter and reading comments in some of Celtic's Twitter posts, you can see the majority of the fan base are in a general frustrated mood right now. And I think a lot of that is down to transfer business, if not all of it, is down to transfer you business. I think
0: as well... That it's something to, that there is there is a portion of the support who can see that there is potentially a title race. Oh, and, there is,
1: there's there's absolutely no denying. And that
0: that yeah. for that for modern day Celtic fans, with the exception of one season, is hard to get your head around. And it yeah, is, yeah. and I, mm-hmm. I've spoken to a couple of people about it, and they they've said they said they've never known. I I mean, I, I, remember the days where Rangers and Celtic were neck and neck, and there was got there was mm. a goal in the title race that, that, but yeah. that for a modern fan who's maybe kind of fifteen, yeah. sixteen, they've probably yeah. never seen that before.
1: Yeah,
0: I think yeah, that I'm... that is a factor as well. And yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I think. can see a lot of fans having that mindset of how dare we be in this position, <laughs> yeah.
1: but yeah. it's
0: football. Do you know what I mean?
1: And yeah, it's, Rangers aren't going to go a whole what. 10, 11 years without, obviously, they had the, the COVID season bit of a one-off, granted, considering the amount of success Celtic have had. They're never going to go that length of time without giving Celtic a run for their money. But I think it's not just that. I think it's from the position Celtic were in, in the summer. They yeah. were streets ahead of Rangers. There is no denying that. And obviously, Antropos to Coggle leaves. Brendan comes in. And obviously, the appointment of Clement over at Ibrox has been brilliant, it's, there's, there's no denying that and he's improved them massively um, but I think a lot of the frustrations do come from the fact that Celtic were in the position they were in in the summer, losing some key players like Jota, arguably failing to replace them and like we've said, the Brendan appointment was going to be divisive, there's absolutely no no getting away from that fact considering how he left the club in the past, so yeah, a lot of the frustration grow from that but also like you've said, there is a bit of among some fans that they are frustrated as a title race, but the majority of people are in their 20s, 30s, 40s, go up from that, know that before there's there's been challenges and it's not going to last forever. Um, but at the same time, there is an annoyance that those at the top of the club, the board, etc., have let us go from a position of utmost strength to a position where we're, a title race now,
0: and that's that. That's another thing as well because I, I think we can we can probably have a, a weekly segment in the show for <laughs> yeah. the board. But I mm. do think there's a there's a form of let's judge that's at the end of the window mm. because yeah. we could be speaking here in a week's time and Celtic have brought in. I, I think Roger said maybe two.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think it's obviously having till Thursday at eleven thirty p.m. to get. Well, fans want a left back and a striker, and so far we've had Nicholas Kuhn come in the door. Obviously, I think personally, I believe Owen Beck would have been in by now had he not played for Liverpool. I think he'd have been signed, and I think that would have there would have been no booze at full time on Saturday. If, let's say Owen Beck was announced on Friday afternoon, Carter Vickers' new contract. There would have been no booze at full time on Saturday if if they'd signed a left back or a, even a striker like Sydney Van Hoydonk by now. So. That's that tells you what a lot of the booze were probably down to the frustrations. But yeah, transfers. It's like a lot of Celtic fans have been saying, and well not a lot, but some of the argument has been that January is a tough month to sign players. Just before we, just before come on, I was doing a bit of research in the Premier League, and across the Premier League this January. Now we know that's arguably one of the highest spending leagues in the world. Only fifty four point eight million pounds has been spent by all of the clubs put together down south. Now that tells you how, number one, how hard it is to sign players in January and how sparse incomings can be. But you've got the counter argument and the other side of that argument is that in the past, Celtic have shopped in markets where you can get that quality in January. Dyson Maeda, Rio Hatate, Alistair Johnston. Where Whether you look at the USA, you look at countries like Japan, whose seasons have just finished, it's easy to get that quality in there because their campaigns have just came to an end rather than yeah. signing someone from teams in like the Netherlands who say top scorer in the Eredivisie I have no clue who that is or if it would be realistic but it's very hard to prize them away halfway through their campaign so maybe it's something more Celtic are looking in the wrong markets and that's potentially why it's difficult because let's be honest the only reason they were looking at Japanese and outside markets was because of Postacoglu yeah. regardless of who was in charge of recruitment at the time so yeah, maybe that's something that's... that. There's two sides to that argument. But there's no getting away from the fact that there needs to be a left-back and a striker in before the end of the January transfer window on Thursday. Will it happen? I'm not sure. I'm, I don't have a lot of full confidence. I think it's 50-50 in probably both positions. Um, But yeah, we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Regarding Sydney Van Hoydonk, there was chat oh, last night that he's yeah. been left out because he's, there's a move to Celtic to imminent, yeah. I don't think it's as far along as that, and I know no, there's no. interest, but I th- I do see that avenue. But is Sydney Van Hooydonk enough? Well, like, is he?
1: It's it's a good question. So you you look at boys twenty three years of age. Um, if I think what the name has got a lot of Celtic fans Yeah. Um, you look at Pierre when he was at Celtic. Have. I've only seen videos of him my dad probably tells me a lot of how much he was a good player compared to what I actually know uh, from kind of the 80s 90s so Sydney is 23 years of age he's at Bologna it's not worked out for him at all this season but last season in the Eredivisie with Heerenveen he scored 16 goals and 30 appearances for a team who finished 8th in the league yeah. and he was the 3rd top scorer in the division Celtic signed, you're just Jacky Marcus from the Eredivisie's top scorer so that can kind of give you an idea of the of the quality that he can can possess. I've been watching a couple of videos of him over the past few days now. We all know YouTube videos can make anyone look good. The likes of me and you could probably look good in YouTube videos of our clips over the years. What they do give you is a good idea of the style of play that the player has now. He's a penalty box striker. He's tall. And from the goals that he's scored, he's always seemed to be in the right place at the right time. Now, having a striker like that who can pounce on rebounds in the box, He's also very good in the air is something. I know he's scored a lot of headers. And for Celtic, like we were touching on earlier, he's a good penalty taker. He's taken 10 penalties throughout his career and never missed one. So if they're looking to solve the penalty issue and sign a striker, they can kill two birds with one stone inside in Sydney van Hooydijk. If it was to happen, I think it would only be a six-month loan. Is there going to be an option to buy the end of that? I'm not sure. Um, On his lack of inclusion in the squad last night, I think Thiago Mota, the manager of Bologna is on record today saying it was due to illness. So there you go. And he also said, Sydney, as long as he trains hard, he was asked about the transfer and he's, he's training hard, blah, blah, blah. Words to that effect, he's not going to give anything away, is he? But there undoubtedly is interest there. there was, there's was there been interest since the summer in in Van Hooydoint from Celtic. So it's certainly one to keep an eye on. If I was to put money on it, I think it could be an 11th hour, six month loan signing. Um and I wouldn't be against it. Uh, I no. certainly wouldn't be against it. Yeah, I think he could do he could do a job giving his goal record in the edit but there's still parts of his game that, that need to be developed because he's only twenty three, twenty four years of age, so the name would also get Celtic fans excited of going through his Twitter as Celtic fans do. There have been a lot of tweets that have come up of him at Celtic Games, watching Celtic Games, posting Green Love Hearts on Twitter, etc So He does like Celtic and he is a fan, obviously given his dad's played for the club in the past. So I think he would be eager to move considering he has the chance to come in midway through a season and help him with goals towards a title and potentially a Scottish Cup as well. So he would relish the opportunity. I think he would want to come, but it's just about if if a deal can be reached.
0: Right, so I'm going to ask you as a fan, what, what would you be happy with? Say... If there's not, if there's no signings between now and the mm-hmm. end of the window, I yeah. don't. I think there will be. Rightfully, I think the manager will probably be the the most agitated out the out the out of everybody that there's been no signings. But what what is acceptable? Can you just sign a striker? Does it need to be? Does it need to be a striker and left back minimum? With Taylor been injured, we don't know how long Taylor's injured for. What is acceptable?
1: I think a striker and a left back is acceptable. Chat of a short term,
0: up. Is short term enough. Or
1: it depends. It depends. I think it's Owen Beck was a long term one. He did come in probably in a loan with a buy option, or a, even a permanent option straight away. Um, so that was mentioned before he came on for Liverpool and made his appearance. But now, after that's now dead in the water, I would think probably a a short term solution on a loan is something that's probably going to be looked at if we do sign a left back but just on acceptability, striking a left back minimum has to be for me and that's probably the maximum you're going to get as well because a goalkeeper will have to wait until this summer, I believe there's been talks, interest, paper talking, Quigun Keleher Acon Valdemarsson who recently signed for Brentford but goalkeeper's one for the summer so yeah, it's, they need a striker obviously, given Kyogo's form Oh, is it going to be the Asian Cup for at least the next couple of weeks and if one of them gets injured you're stuck with one striker so a striker is a must and left back is for me an even bigger must I think we need to sign a left back more than we need to sign a striker Bernabe's performance at the weekend you'd expect him to come in against Ross County and play really well considering absolutely no respect to Ross County but that's an ideal game for a left back particularly of his style to do well in and he didn't and Taylor is he of the stand is he of like the highest standard of a Celtic left back? Probably not. Mm-hmm. And so you can always you can improve on Taylor, no doubt. So there needs to be improvements made. A left back is one that has to be has to be addressed. It's been long kinda since Keaton Tierney left the club, Celtic haven't really had a firm, solid starting quality left back. Whereas we've not let's put it this way, we've not had a right a left back in the form of a player like Joseph Yanovich or Alistair Johnston. That's you need that type of player and that type of quality. That's what they need to be aiming for at left back. Suffered with players like Diego Laxalt, volleyball and Golly. Now I'm not seeing Greg Taylor's anywhere near the levels of those players because he's better than them, but he's still not of that high calibre, the highest calibre. So I think that's something that needs to be addressed between now and the end of the window, and it's just disappointing because I thought Beck was going to be the one.
0: Yeah, and I think we're, we're going to be sitting here from now until Thursday kind of thinking mm-hmm. what, what's going to happen. But yep. we're going to have some a deadline day special on Thursday where we'll with we'll a few fans on from different clubs. We'll be talking about the the deadline day. So, Josh, I want to thank you very much for being on this show. Sorry it wasn't a better game to talk about, but a lot of transfer talks for a pleasure, mate.
1: Yeah, it's been a pleasure as usual. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you very
0: much, mate. Thank you very much for watching in folks. Please subscribe to our YouTube and podcast channel and subscribe to our Patreon. Thanks folks.